Everybody, this week, Three Sides of the Coin, it's a huge what-if episode. What if Jimmy Page joined Kiss? Oh, boy. <laughs> what if there were no New York Dolls or no Alice Cooper? What would Kiss be? Would Kiss even be? Play along. We go into some pretty deep rock and roll discussions this week. We think sides. you're going to like it. And if you don't, we don't care. Eh, we don't care either. <laughs> this is Three Sides of the Coin, talking all things KISS. I want to rock and roll all night. You're listening to Three Sides of the Coin. Visit threesidesofthecoin.com. Subscribe on YouTube. Follow and rate us on Spotify. Subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. We appreciate your support. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Three Sides of the Coin. You got two people. You got Mike and Mark. Isn't it, isn't it two sides of the coin? Well, I don't know. That means then we do we like Ace Fraley if we call this two sides of the coin? I thought it's always it's always us, you and I, every week. Why well, I don't understand e- e- this other e- verbiage. E- Every week, it's like we start with two, we get to three, we lose one. I have no fucking idea. Literally, none of us know who's starting the show and who's ending the show. I think next here. week's the same, isn't it? We're going to be uh, short. Probably. <laughs> I mean, you know, and, and before we get down the road for this week, let me just explain. Yeah, we, we there was no show last week because... It had, you know, it, it fell on the July. it fell on the Fourth of July, and we weren't going to fucking sit down and record a Kiss podcast on the Fourth of July. I mean, we love you guys and girls, and we love the show, and we have fun. But it's the Fourth of July. We're going to spend that with family and friends and celebrating. And you know, sorry, it is what it is. Tommy was going to try and dig up part two of his Ace Fraley Q and A, but he Who's has this had Tommy. His- Tommy. Yeah. He, he, he comes and goes. Um, he couldn't find it on his hard drive. So sorry, no show. And just for advance, the week of July 24th, unless these other um, knuckleheads want to record without I, me. I, I know one guy who it won't be. <laughs> I, I won't. I won't be there because I'm my family, me, my wife, Thule, we're moving on the 25th so we're packing on monday the 24th we're literally moving on the 25th i'm not concerned about recording a podcast so there may not be a show then and and it's funny earlier today mark is like hey we got any guests or topics for this week and i'm like no guests i haven't even thought about the topic i've been too focused on getting packed and prepared to move so just a heads up the rest of july will probably not have any guests it's just gonna be us winging it every week because other priorities are just more important than the show i mean we're still here we're not going away but you know family and life gets in the way and sometimes you look don't, we're, don't do this we're shit. gonna be we're gonna be releasing like crazy nights the next couple of weeks yeah, exactly. We have no fucking idea. So, hey, this is a great homework question for you right now. I know we've asked this in the past, but now we're serious because there are no guests lined up at least for the next four to six weeks. Give us some topics for us to riff on. What what would be fun? What ifs? 
round tables, you name it. I Give like us some of your ideas. Runs. Those are fun. Just because we'll, we'll probably we'll probably throw a hit and run in there. Yeah. Yeah, those are again. I, the reason I like hit and runs is because it's more like what happens on the cruise when you know I'll run into somebody or they run into me, and we just start talking about kiss, and they'll be going something like, "Oh, I was just listening to Animal Eyes the other night." And did you ever notice that? You know, and that's the kind of shit that I like. And I'm like, "Wow, that's a that's a cool take on that," or you yeah. know what I mean? I, that's the fun part because. Again, then it's truly like the show was designed to be, or it's just a bunch of knuckleheads sitting around talking it's about just a bunch uh, of Kiss fans band. talking about a band. Exactly. Yeah. So um, there you go. That's your that's your primary homework for this week, right out of the gate. Give us some ideas for the next four to six weeks because there's just a it's summer. It's going to be back to school for people. I'm busy with moving. Um, it's just you know I got to tell you guys. Tracking down and confirming and scheduling guests is a lot of work. It's finding the guest, reaching out, talking to them about why they should come on. Then it's back and forth for a few weeks of a potential date. And nine times out of 10, they get back and like, oh, something came up. Can we move it? Then it's rescheduling it, maybe moving somebody else. So it's 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 not just pick up the phone and somebody's on for, there are uh, people- for a guest. There are people who are guests who have been successful, fun guests who agreed and everything. And then they didn't come on for another year. I mean, that's just the way this shit works sometimes. Hey, we, we, we had a recent guest who backed out twice. Shame, shame, shame. <laughs> I have a feeling we'll, uh, we'll, eventually, we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll make, we'll make good on that. But again, it's just not my priority right now to go yeah. reschedule it. So um, for this week, Mark threw out a bunch of ideas, but I'm going to throw a curveball right uh -oh. off the bat. Uh -oh. here. So today, you know, we're recording this on Tuesday, July 11th. Um, Paul Stanley posted a very cool photo of him finishing up having lunch with Jimmy Page in London. And at the London show a few days ago, um, he posted a photo with Jimmy Page as well at the show. I just think that's freaking amazing and cool that that Paul Stanley is sharing photos with Jimmy Page. And believe me, Jimmy Page doesn't have to go hang out with Paul Stanley for any reason whatsoever other than he enjoys it. He's not getting squat out of this, okay? But what we're seeing is Paul Stanley as a fan. You know, it's like us when we meet Paul Stanley. Here's Paul Stanley meeting Jimmy Page. And if you know any anything about history, you know how much Led Zeppelin was such an influence on Kiss, especially Paul. Yeah, listen to Making Love. <laughs> Slow down yeah, the riff. What do you think that is? Exactly. So... <laughs> You know, it's very cool to see Paul hanging out with somebody he as a kid grew up idolizing and looking at on stage and going, wow, wouldn't it be cool one day? But here's the curveball, what if? And this is going to make, I know heads will explode. Please don't this. do this. Please don't yeah, do nope, this. Nope, nope. <laughs> what if... 
Paul Stanley said, Jimmy, <sighs> you want to oh. join Kiss? No, want to be our stop. lead guitar player? Stop. But you got to put on the Spaceman makeup. Oh. Now, listen, there's no way in freaking hell Paul would even ask. There's no way Jimmy would even entertain it. It would never, ever, ever happen. So this is just a completely fun alternate reality what if. But my what if is like, what if that happened? What the hell would happen to the fans of both those bands? Could you imagine the Led Zeppelin fans going, what the fuck? Jimmy Page is now the lead guitarist in Kiss. And Ace Fraley fans going, Jimmy Page is wearing Ace Fraley's makeup? I don't know if I should like this, hate this, or roll up into a ball and cry. I mean, it's just, it's one of those things where you're just like, what would happen in reality if that ever happened? Look, I told Mike not to bring this up. <laughs> <laughs> and and when do I listen to anything? Because this exactly. is just it's just one of those things where you're just like, oh, I never I never thought of that, but somewhat if. ifs are just too out there. Way to out there. Yes. I mean, I you know, because if if and, and, if and he, like Michael said, he's just it would never happen. Paul yeah, wouldn't even correct. ask. Paul wouldn't even ask. It, it, it's not even in the realm of possibility. But like when I posted the photo of Paul and Jimmy today to all of our profiles, I said, I can just imagine the haters back in high school seeing this photo and their heads are exploding just to see Paul Stanley and Jimmy Page together as friends is enough to make people's head explode. Well, not so much. Well, if it was the one you sent in the IM, it was, you know, just Paul and Jimmy in street clothes. I think the one that would have drove him crazy. Makeup. Is the one, is the, yeah, the one where Paul was in makeup and Jimmy was, you know, I got had his arm around him and, you know, yep. buddy, buddy, buddy. Look, for me, I, I've made no secret about this. I fucking love Led Zeppelin. I love Led Zeppelin as much as I love Kiss. And I'm a huge Zepp fan and I've had tons of bootlegs of Led Zeppelin and, I am a, you know, confessed Led Zeppelin fan. With that said, I never understood what, you know, some of the older kids and didn't understand get what I got. Where why can't you like both of them? They're both great. Um, so yeah, I mean, I certainly see the uh, the irony in that. Picture. I know. I mean, I I just go back to again. I remember seventy nine ish around high school when I'd wear a kiss t-shirt to school and, and kid would come up, this sucks. Led Zeppelin rules, man. You, what you if you could have pulled out a photo of Paul Stanley and Jimmy page together at that moment, what would happen? Yeah. They, they, you, you, and, unless you lived it in real time, man, you just have no idea. And that was a daily existence. Um, you know, back in, especially in like 1981 and 1980, it was, uh, you know, it, that's just, that was every day in school. You had to every talk to every day, if you made it known you were a KISS fan. Oh, and I did. You heard. Proud. you Yeah, so, so did I. I'm like, fuck, I love this band. I'm not going to be ashamed of it, but I'm going to take a lot of shit for this. I know it. 
Well, it's funny because when you get older, especially now, I mean, I'm in my late 50s, you know, you can look back and obviously Kiss had zero influence on Led Zeppelin, but the opposite is, you know, Led Zeppelin had a huge influence on Kiss. I mean, everything, like I said, you know, the riff from uh, Making Love is very reminiscent of the of whole lot of love, the, the way it's picked. Um, even on, on like Monster, on, uh, you know, uh, the solo in the middle of, uh, what was the single on Monster? God, I love the song too. Oh God. Was that, was that? Hell or Hallelujah? Yes, or Hell or awesome? Hallelujah. Okay. The solo okay. in there's that that uh, that uh, uh, Tommy does is very Jimmy Page-ish, and you know Paul's doing his you know pseudo Robert Plant. If you listen closely to the mix, he's doing a wailing away vocally. This is during the solo part. I'm like, God, that's right out of uh, certainly trying to channel uh, Dazed and Confused in the middle part there, and. You know, there's there's many, many more, too. I mean, and again, it's good. It's cool. Again, I love picking out stuff like that. And I like I, like I say all the time, I go back to Mr. Buddy Rich. There's only two kinds of music, good and bad. And, yeah. and, and Kiss and Led Zeppelin are both in the good category as far as I'm concerned. And, you know, I've never been shy about boasting being a fan of both. So it's you know. just it it it. You know, we don't have to have this whole show won't be about the discussion, but I just had to throw that out there because that was one of those things where I think, Mark, you and I could agree, even back in late 70s, early 80s, we could have never imagined Paul Stanley hanging out with Jimmy Page. No, but you know what's funny over the years, and this is something I'm kicking myself for. I remember because my friends and I, you know, especially back in the day, we, you know, if, you know, Aerosmith was in Cleveland or something, we'd drive to Cleveland because from Detroit, it wasn't. That's okay. How I saw so many kids shows. There's, you know, you were in the so center of things. everything. Yeah. You can be to Cleveland in three hours. But my buddies went to go see um, Dio, I think it was um, back in the 80s, maybe or not. No, it was in the 90s. And uh, my buddy um, comes back the next day. Um, this is before, you know, you were sending pics back and forth. You know, he's like, look who was backstage at Dio. Fucking Jimmy Page. Oh, fucking fell over. And, I, you know, I was going to go and I'm like, eh, you know, fucking it's three hours and feel like doing it. But, man, you know, that's a, Jimmy is funny because just as a fan of Led Zeppelin, I follow them and. Jimmy turns up all over the place. He's oh, just yeah. a music fan. Yeah, he know? loves music. He loves yes. bands. Yes, exactly. You know, and uh, that's something uh, fun just to follow. And, and he's, for he's, me, he's, he's not real quick. He's not a musician. And believe me, he could easily be this kind of musician that sits here and goes, I'm fucking Jimmy Page of Led Zeppelin and everybody Jeff, else opposite. is below me. Just everybody's the, below me and i have no time for all of you wannabes yeah it, it's funny i uh just you know speaking of aerosmith a few seconds ago um just recently i've been going through because i not only do this with kiss i do this with all my music putting some things in order and i just came up across and i think it's called house on no no this is the marquee show um, there's a great bootleg where Jimmy joins Aerosmith for, I think, 
four songs maybe and it's soundboard so if you're if you're a fan of jimmy pages and you're a fan of of uh of uh aerosmith and, and you know led zeppelin and again most guys my age are um that's that's a really cool bootleg it's called live at the marquee it's from you know it's from england and uh, they do think about it which aerosmith did on their uh, night in the ruts album which is a Yardbirds tune. They do uh, um, Train Crepper Rolling. And if anybody knows that Aerosmith, basically just their version is just a souped up version of the Yardbirds version. Matter of fact, in 1980, uh, Led Zeppelin kicked off their 1980 summer tour. That was the song that kicked off all the shows. They did uh, Train Kept Rolling. Uh, so anyway, I think they do the immigrant song and it's cool hearing uh, Jimmy or uh, Steven Tyler sing that. There's another geeky thing. I don't think you guys know. There was a time when was Mike, do you remember in the nineties when they were talking about Steven Tyler taking over yeah. or at least touring with the, with, you know, with uh, Jason Bonham and John Paul Jones. And that, that was true. They, they did jam together and, um, I, I think it was right around that time. Um, but anyways, again, just as a music lover and a music fan, fuck, I would have loved to have seen Jimmy Page come out and play the solo and rock and roll night or something if he was at the show. I mean, what the fuck, you know? That would have been cool as hell. I Would it have ever happened? No. Because A, it just doesn't, they're not that type, Kiss isn't that kind of band for the most right. part. If you think about it, Who's all joined him? Um, Joe Perry from Aerosmith, I think, did the solo in Strutter once. And uh, who didn't, else? Didn't one of the guys from Def Leppard? Yeah, yeah. I was just about to say uh, one of the guys from Def Leppard came out. I think that's pretty much it, isn't it? There's, they're, they're not somebody who comes because Kiss's music isn't really meant to be, you know, an extended solos. And that's just not how their songs are. Or, you know, and, and you could really say that about a lot of bands, you know, Cheap Tricks, the same those songs that don't have long tags on them where, you know, where you could do something like Train Kept Rolling, keep that middle part going for 20 minutes if you wanted to, you know. So, yeah, I mean, some bands music and it doesn't make the music better or worse, but just some songs are structured that way. And, um, you know, I've always I always remember hearing and, you know, this could just be interview bs but gene and paul have always said one of the things is they never would invite people up on stage because it's the kiss stage it's their sacred ground Mm -hmm. it's their show and it means a lot to them but you know somebody like uh, a joe perry you know that that's that's a different level you know and i i got to imagine if the opportunity ever came up and jimmy said hey paul gene love to come out and jam on uh, black diamond or something like that with you guys. I think they in a second would be like, let's make it happen. But I also think people like Gene and Paul understand you don't go asking Jimmy page to come on stage with you. It's, it's his decision to make. It's his to ask. Yeah, and I, I th- it's funny because both times that, uh, um, God, why can't I think of it? I'm just being, I, again, it's been a, it's, it's that time of the year for me, meaning it's uh, full summer season and the construction business, you know, we're 
six, seven days and just my mind's just fried. Um, I'm trying to think of a guy from Def Lep who he, he wore partial kiss outfits yeah. like Joe Perry put on Paul's boots. And, you know, again, I would have loved to have seen that. And and I tell you what, Joe's that's one thing great. And, and I'm a big Joe Perry fan. Matter of fact, I, I did his meet and greet just a couple months ago and got a poster signed and everything. And, um, you know, I, I love Joe Perry and I, he's always been very complimentary of kiss. If you read his book, if you ever, whenever the few times kiss has been brought up, he's like, man, I'm a fan. I, I, I like that. That's, that's good stuff, man. He got, he got it. Yes, got he did. He certainly, matter of fact, um, in a way, and we're going to get to it in a few minutes, um, one of the things I wanted to riff on and what I mean is, you know, on the show today, when we're just thinking about topics, you know, um, that was one of the things that era, 1970, what was going on in Boston and New York and on the East Coast really helped decide whether I, in my own opinion, and we're going to talk about it in a few minutes. Bands like Aerosmith and a band we're going to be talking about here in the next few minutes. If they didn't hit, would Kiss have hit? And uh, we'll introduce the topic here in a few seconds. But, you know, one of the things that that, you know, I love about Joe Perry is he brought that jamminess that, you know, he loved the MC5. He loved that, you know, do it yourself sort of ethos, as they say. And, uh, you know, whereas. Tyler was more of the more refined sort of thing. And in a way, if you think about it, you know, that's what made Kiss so special too. the yin and the yang between Paul and Gene, you know, that they they didn't often write together. But both of, you know, it was the peanut butter and the chocolate all the time. Well, I, I, I would I would extend that it was the yin and the yang between all four of them. That's you, true. You've got you. You've got Peter, who was not a hard rock metal drummer and you've got ace who you know his yeah all i do describe him as his incredible sloppy guitar work but that's said well, in a positive well, complimentary way ace is ace is the kid who listened to nothing but the hard rock songs that led zeppelin did he wanted nothing to do with the acoustic stuff because to me, Ace's style is very, very, very Jimmy Page. Yep. And to a degree, um, a very, and, and before any, because you guitar geeks, I'm saying this much was he influenced by uh, by the Yardbirds or Beck or Clapton so much. He, he's clearly a, a Jimmy Page. And while he loves, as he professes Jimi Hendrix, and, you know, who doesn't is a, is a guitar fan, but his his playing is more Jimmy Page's page esque but again, Ace never was one of those guys that was studying going to California. It, that that wasn't the you know, he wasn't um, music was, theory. He wasn't. He, well, my, yeah. my point is, he he wanted communication breakdown. You know, he wanted, da, 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 you know, he wanted he wanted the heavy hard rock um, sort of thing. He didn't, you know, look at Kiss's body of work and. and and for the most part, his entire body of work, he's, he's a hard rock guy. He didn't have time yep. for the, for the ballot. And there's, and that's not a good, bad or indifferent. It's just who he is. And that's why we love Ace. And when you talk about sloppy guitar playing, trust me, I've got a fucking whole cabinet full of Led Zeppelin bootlegs where you can hear exactly what, you know, 
what turned yeah, and, eights and, and, on. And again, sloppy is not meant as a derogatory term here. It is, it's a, it's a unique, and I would almost say rare playing style. Well, I think the Stones live have that in a lot of ways. I always used to joke when, whenever uh, I was, you know, if I'd be jamming with people and, you know, we didn't quite catch the ending the way we wanted to get it, we'd call it a Stones ending. Go listen to some old Stones recordings. You know, they're each ending a millisecond off from the next guy because it's just the fucking Stones. <laughs> it's know? like the heavy metal Grateful Dead. It's a jam band playing <laughs> well, metal. I, I tell one of the one of my favorite things, and it's and it's funny that especially for someone like me because I'm such a geek about music. Someone was 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 talking to, uh, and it's I think it's in a in a new book. It was certainly in a book that I read uh, on drummers, and they're talking about Charlie Watts and the beginning of "Start Me Up." They're like that crazy time signature when when you the hi hat and 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 he comes in. They're like, oh my god! And Char- Charlie's like, well, I just came in late. <laughs> I didn't sit there and study this fucking thing. I just I came in late, you know. And but it's funny though too, just that. But it's that natural feel, and 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 I'll go back to uh, you know keep this in within Kiss in the guise of Kiss. That's what made Peter's playing so special um throughout the 70s before he threw his god-given talents away sorry he just did go listen to some dynasty brew legs but man up until then he was playing dynamite you know he really did have his own scrappy sort of style and and we've covered this a million times because he he may love jazz but he's not a jazz drummer he he's not you know don't he's not fucking bill brubeck dude that's no he doesn't play like that He's, he's more, and I think if, if you if you were to, matter of fact, I think I saw something on a site we're not supposed to talk about on this show. Um, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, Mike. Um, but they did a nice kiss thing today talking about uh, uh, how big a fan Peter was of Charlie Watts. I think that's certainly more in, in his wheelhouse. Um, again, you know, you can be influenced by Krupa and stuff like that, but it doesn't mean you... Peter wasn't going to go play in a jazz band, meaning, and I'm talking about a real jazz band. That's not the kind of chops he had. He played rock his whole life. Um, you can be a fan of that. I'm certainly a fan of it, but I. And but again, but, I but played... Peter wasn't a monster rock drummer like a Bonham. Well, it, it, the, the, but that's the whole thing. The music didn't call for that. No, I um, right, right, I, and and I it goes all the way back to. It was that yin and the yang between all four of them that oh, yeah, I think it's, that's it's, what it's, made it's, the it's, originals magic is there was something different. It wasn't a perfect fit for everybody. Yeah, but you, I mean, you could really say that same thing about Charlie Watts and the Stones. I mean, he just he had a way of playing just behind the beat. He, he And again, you could tell Peter liked that, too. That was, you know, Peter's more in that sort of description than you know than anything else you know uh, again too if, if you really want to split this down to hairs if you were a drummer listen to peter's bass drum patterns there's times in songs they're not the same from the second fucking verse to the sec to the third verse it's just that's just how he plays and there's again that's what that's what gives it the grease that's what gives it the you know 
that's what made him so special back then. And, and I'll, I'll tell you the truth. That's what makes those early Kiss songs pop. I mean, he's all those guys. Look, it's, it's the four of them. You, this, and, yep. and that's nice. It, it is nice. And I love when Gene and Paul will, when and you hold their feet to the fire, they said, like, we wouldn't be here without those two guys, too. They say it all the time. Maybe they bicker and piss and moan now, but they'll, they all say it all the time. If it wasn't for each one of them, they wouldn't be here. They Nobody carried anybody. Maybe later in, in their later days, yeah, but not early on. Not when, you know, when the album Kiss came out or, or, or you know, Dressed to Kill or something. That was, that was, that was the guys, man. And, and obviously my favorite, Kiss Alive, that... <laughs> Man, Peter's drumming on that album is phenomenal, and it's and it's so Peter Chris, and I mean that in a great way. It's just the drumming on that album is just incredible, and you know, go back and and watch those shows from January '76. He's just fucking nailing it, man. Go watch the Midnight Special. Yeah, you know, he's just on fire. The whole band is, but really, Peter, totally into it, totally inspired, and uh, you know. I think that's a good segue, Michael, into into the topic, because I think both structurally in a lot of ways, um, Peter and his good friend, Jerry Nolan, weren't too terribly different drummers. Um, and uh, for those of you who don't know him by name, Jerry Nolan was the drummer from the New York Dolls, who actually took over once uh, the Dolls original drummer died. Uh, early in their career so my question to mike today when we were looking for topics is this is something i'd love to hear from you guys do you think kiss would have turned into kiss had there never been a new york dolls that's a really it's a good head scratching question it's it's another what if what if there were never was the New York Dolls, would we have Kiss? Or would we have a different Kiss if there was never a New York Dolls? Because they tried to be the New York Dolls and they realized yeah. early on, you can't beat, the, no one does the Dolls better than the Dolls. I mean, but there was such a stew going on at the time with Bowie and Alice and, you know, that whole mixture, even you can throw Aerosmith in there too. Um, you know, that whole thing, it's, it's almost, it's proto-punk in many ways. It's, you know, it's, it's more blues. It's, it's like, but Kiss couldn't do that. You know, Gene, Paul, Peter, and Ace, they just didn't look right. They didn't sound like that. Well, that, that, first of all, I was going to say, because, and again, this has been said in interviews, you know, if you look back at the, the first Kiss promo photo of them out of makeup in the stairwell, where they're trying to look New York dolls, but I think it was Gene who said, we looked like a bunch of football players trying to look like the dolls, and it didn't work. We realized at least visually, we couldn't pull it off. We couldn't pull off looking like the dolls. The dolls could because they didn't, they weren't big and they weren't big guys like the guys in Kiss were. So, you know, you got that right out of the gate is, you know, coming right out of Wicked Lester, the look, the type of band Kiss was trying to create was a New York Dolls clone. 
But let's let's start breaking this down a little bit more, though. This is why I find this so fascinating. The Dows, and very much so Aerosmith, were trying to be the Stones. I know. I know. Yeah. So, so that's how come, is it possible that we could have gotten a kiss without the Dows? It is possible. But I don't think probable because that whole Mercer Art Center, the whole the whole scene, the whole thing that drove music, you know, music junkies to New York City, you know, to see bands like the Dolls and how the Dolls. It, again, I also think, and I think Gene and Paul have said this: the Dolls showed Kiss what not to do. Don't come on late. Don't come on fucking stone. You know what I mean? However, people were drawn to their magnetism. And in some ways, like Kiss, they were drawn to the circus more than they were drawn to the music at first. And then when you listen to the music, it's fucking awesome. I, and, and that's another thing. Funny. Here's a very big similarity between the dolls, at least in my geeky musical um, opinion. Both the dolls and Kiss have great songs. And I mean fucking great songs on their debut albums. But both albums should have been done by somebody like um, Eddie Kramer instead. I think both of those records, had they had somebody who understood hard rock um, more so in tones and would have spent some a little bit more time on, on how the record sounded, um, both because both bands, I think, kind of sound limp compared to both the demos and the live tracks. Um, Kiss and the Dolls are very similar in that way. Um, I, I actually prefer, you know, both with the Dolls and Kiss. I like the live stuff better. You know, if you've never heard, the, you know, if you've never been a Dolls fan, and I think most people who watch the show are at least somewhat familiar, but if you're not, um, you know, go go listen to Personality Crisis. Um, go listen, especially Jet Boy. Jet Boy is probably my favorite song off that record. Um, and our good friend Billy, I know that was his the inspiration for uh, for his band's uh, name. But those are great rock and roll riffs, and they're almost punky, you know, in their attack. And uh, and again, I think that's the spark that that you know. Kiss, Kiss didn't have on the first record. It's a little too clean. It's a little too tame. And, uh, you know, with, uh, you know, obviously Kiss had uh, Kramer and Wise, uh, or not Kramer, uh, oh, the hell's are fucking up? Kerner. Kerner, excuse me. Kerner and Wise, not Kramer, because that's what I was hoping they'd, they'd get. But, uh, you know, and the Stones had uh, um, Todd Rundgren, who just, I just didn't think he was right for the record. I mean, at the time, I didn't know. I was nine years old in 74. I didn't, you know, I didn't know. But as I got older, I'm like, God, these songs fucking rule. But these don't sound all that great. And that's another reason why I'm so into bootlegs and live shows and stuff. Is like, I know these songs are great. They sound better this way. And then you start going, oh, Eddie Kramer produced those demos. Christ, that, they sound better there. They, they've got, you know, more of an attack to them. Um, so... Anyways, so let, yeah. let, let, let me let me let me expand your what if question a little bit more, because we know initially before Kiss put the makeup on, they tried 
to do the dolls. It didn't work. They realized it wasn't going to work. So then they went makeup. But we also know at the same time, they were watching Alice Cooper. His show. Alice was more makeup than the New York Dolls, less makeup than what Kiss ended up with. So is it possible that Kiss could have happened without the Dolls, but with Alice Cooper? And a follow-up, would Kiss have not happened at all without the New York Dolls and Alice Cooper? That's that's more of a... Uh... That's that's probably a little bit more legitimate because I don't think, yeah, people go, oh, Alice wore makeup, but but I think Kiss also kind of glommed onto that vibe of of you know Alice's, uh, especially then. Go go back and uh, and uh, you know check out those records. Those are, those are much like Kiss for the most part. Of course, you know there's going to be differences, uh, you know, with the halo of flies and stuff like that, but you know, be my lover and, uh, um, you know, Christ, uh, caught in a dream. And, and, uh, is it my body? Those, those songs are basic riff rock songs. They're not, you know, they're not incredibly complex or anything like that. And they're certainly not, uh, you know, how Led Zeppelin, uh, would do. And, you know, my, my point is that kiss, much like the dolls, much like um, Alice, once he once he hit his stride on the Love It to Death album, you know, it was more mainstream. You know, I'm 18 is very yep. very linear, um, and and you know that's where Kiss found their feet too. You know, they I tell you what, that's the, the great thing about collecting bootlegs too. Go go listen. I mean, they've since come out, obviously, but. You know, go listen to those Daisy rehearsals. Did you notice that the extended jams? Did you notice they cut that stuff out? You know, so Kiss was experimenting too, you know, and it's no different if you know the story while we're on Alice Cooper. That's what that's what somebody, a genius like Bob Ezrin did because he went and said, what's that song I'm edgy all about? And they're like, what are you talking about? He's like, yeah, that one that goes like this and that's you're you're edgy. They're like, oh no, that's I'm 18. He's like, yeah. cut this part out, cut this part out. Now you got a song. I, I I think what 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 that illustrates is with bands that can get a little longevity into their career early on, and they can get to the point where they can have a credible producer become involved, the songs get crafted. The songs get sculpted to what we now love. And, and I think, you know, with Alice, early Alice, early Kiss, all of that, you're, you're seeing that. You saw that evolution of by the time they got to the point where they had a few albums under their belt, and then somebody could come in and go, no, get rid of all that. Let's focus on this and let's slice and let's fix and all of a sudden it ends up with a classic song. If you had left it up to the artists themselves, it might've been a good song. It would have never been a great song. Mike, we, we are so fortunate as Kiss fans to have these box sets. Go listen 
to the original Detroit Rock City. You know, the one that the demo one. Go listen to the original God of Thunder. Or the demo. I was just going to bring up God of Thunder. If we didn't have a, a Bob Ezrin, God of Thunder would have been Paul Stanley singing, and it probably would have never, ever, ever had the impact it did. It's it's damn near, and I don't mean this in a negative, but it's damn near a disco beat the way it was originally written. You know how quick it was. God, with the ooh, you know the the it. it it changed. Ezra's like, slow that thing down to a crawl and we're going to yep. make it evil. Yep. You know, and, and by the I way, remember- somebody else has got to sing it too. Yeah. 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 Which, <laughs> Cause he's got know, the attitude. You don't have that. attitude. Yes. And again, that's the brilliance. That kind of goes back to what I said, both kiss and the New York dolls did not have that guidance on early their first- in their career. Yep. Correct. Yep. But you know, I'll go again while we're still, talking about these same bands listen to the you know if you're again most of you guys are a good chunk of you guys are you know are our age and, and if you're watching us that debut aerosmith album the same ways but that's night and day from get your wings production wise you know um so it, it was starting to the train was starting to roll a little bit. Well, they, again, they, they, were lear- they were learning their craft as well. I mean, you got to remember these bands back then, it's hard, it's hard to imagine because we're 50 years down the road. These bands were like 18-year-olds, 20-year-olds. They'd never done this profession. They'd never been in a studio before. They had no idea what to do, what not to do. So they were learning their craft as the band was moving forward. And this is why I say that music is was better. It's it's not just because we're older, blah, blah, blah. Nowadays, if you don't have a hit, if I don't even know what that means in the rock genre anymore. But if you don't hit right out of the gate, you're done. Whereas back in the day, look at look at the first Rush album by the third record by Caressa Steel. Like, what the fuck are you doing? I mean, it's all over the map. But it took that progression from the first rush album with you know that didn't have neil pert on it to you know to fly by night then they kind of got in this funk with um i know some people and again it's it's i hate to say this but because they're the same fans that say well the greatest kiss album is the elder well you say that but it it doesn't hold any water it's the same you can you can say that you can say that now you yeah. can't. You couldn't have said that back in the in it's, it's well the when same, the elder it's came the out. Same, it's the same thing with Rush fans. Like, oh, Crust of Steel is a great. No, it's not. Look, it, it's it's disjointed. Look, do I like? Do I appreciate that? Do I appreciate the elder? Is it a fun listen? Do I go back and listen to it? Yeah, but you can't go. You've never heard Rush before. This is it. This is the fucking greatest album they ever did. No, it's not. Not even fucking close. Not even remotely close. And you're just doing that because you want to think like you're cool or something or the only person who thinks you're cool is you no one else thinks that and it's the same thing with the elder this is great kiss's greatest triumph no it's not it's a disjointed fucking mess all right the fans didn't fall in love with the odyssey sorry they liked rock and roll night in detroit rock city and look it up that's what they like yeah well I i was gonna say if if kiss hadn't been given the opportunity to grow and develop and mature and craft their skills by not being dropped after the debut album, we would have never heard Destroyer, Rock and Roll Over, Love Gun. 
which, you know, to a lot of KISS fans, that sound defined KISS. You would have never had, it would have never existed because after the debut album, definitely after Hotter Than Hell, they would have been dropped and they would have been written off and they would have been history. You know, also too, Michael and I were talking privately before the show started. And one band that I don't think gets mentioned enough, and I know Mike's a fan too, is Slade. Slade's a very important part of that stew. They well, were I was huge over uh, yeah. in Europe. So I was going to, you know, so I brought up New York Dolls and Alice Cooper. But if you start really digging into Kiss's influences, you're going to go back and go, well, if Slade didn't exist, what would Kiss be like? If I'm going to go really deep on this one, but I, I think some of the, the, the older fans will get it. Roy Wood and the move. Yes. Huge on Paul. Huge. I, you know, some of those, those bands of that era may or may not have had as heavy an influence musically, but they also had great influence visually on Kiss. There was well, a I lot say, of very crazy makeup coming out of the, the late 60s. Well, look at Arthur Brown. Is, yeah. Is, that's what had this Alice Cooper. That is Alice Cooper. So, his and, if, and if, oh Kiss, if, if you look at the family tree and go kiss Alice Cooper, oh, Arthur Brown, you know, you, you start Roy, going all Roy the way. Wood, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, so you got to sit here and go, what would Kiss be like if one or all of those bands didn't exist? Got, guys, Mick was wearing eyeliner early on. Um, especially in the early 70s, uh, lipstick, you know, uh, face makeup. Uh, look, it, it, again, it was a stew, if you will. And, and anybody who knows anything about Slade, look at the outfits. I mean, the, the yep. pomp. And, and, and even at that time, although it was right when Kiss was breaking too, but, you know, Mata Hoople, David Bowie, um, that, again, that whole thing, how can you forget Mark Bowen and the suite? It's, it's funny because if you don't know your rock and roll timeline and rock and roll family trees, as a Kiss fan, you might go, oh, they stole that from Kiss. They stole that from Ace Fraley. They didn't. They didn't. Let's be honest. They were the influence on many other bands. I mean, you know, The Sweet, Slade. You've got bands like Motley Crue saying they wouldn't exist. Nikki Six wouldn't exist without the Look, suite. How, how about uh, Susie Q? Uh, Susie Quattro. Yep. Uh, yep. That's the Chin Chapman. If you guys don't know who Chin Chat, you trust me, you don't, don't know the name, you know their songs. Um, those guys were basically the hit writers throughout you know, Europe. I mean, not only, that, of course, they wrote a boatload for the suite, but also Mud and, and, uh, uh, and Susie Quattro. Just... You know, you wanted a Chin and Chapman song. Um, you know, those yep. guys were just the big hit makers over there. And and again, that whole stew helped produce Kiss. Um, but like I said, that's what I thought was a, a weird. But what if the dolls and everything, you know, think about it. There's that one dolls documentary, which had, a, you know, from the lens of Bob Gruen, picture Ace in there, this Kiss makeup. And his little silver panties that he was wearing, whatever the fuck, those hot you pants. Know, yeah, you know. But I mean, that's how important image and everything was. And 
and again, you know, and I can't hammer this home enough because again, I'm a big New York Dolls fan, but everyone seems to talk about the Dolls as to be the be all end all in that. And that they weren't, they were just ripping the stones off in many ways, not just visually, but musically as well. I mean, those songs are just blues based, you know, shouters and I love them, but you know, um, Go I, listen I, to, you know, Exile on Main Street and Sticky Fingers and uh, that, you know, all, all that stuff to me is, uh, you know, it's, it's I, all I think, it's so important. I think your description of it's a stew is perfect because, you know, you know, there this stew is taking stuff from all sorts of different places, throwing it in, mixing it up and something new comes out of it. and. You know, the New York Dolls were taking something from the 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 Stones, the the European glam scene, the Stones, all of that, and then they pills, the pills, uh, great Bo Diddley. So I think think that's Bo Diddley, but I mean, you know, uh, off their day debut record, you know, um, yeah, and again, those guys love that stuff. They're taking what's what was happening overseas across the Atlantic. They're mixing it in with some stuff that's starting to bubble up in the U.S. And you get this new take, a new a new version of the glam scene that was being seen over in Europe was being mixed up, mashed up a little bit. And out was coming Alice and the Dolls and Kiss. It wasn't quite the same, but if you paid attention, you could go, I can connect the dots. I can see where this came from. Mike, again, and I'm just going to be honest with our viewers here. That's one of the reasons I have such a disdain for hair metal. And I'll tell you why. When when the crew kind of took all that stuff in the you know, extremely early 80s, it was more organic. By 1986, it was like it was being it was being manufactured by the yeah, way. Exactly. It was being manufactured. They were even telling, you know, you don't play on the record. You're just going to be on the album cover. We're signing you because you look, look good. good. Yes. We'll find a producer that'll make Whereas, the song sound good. Where and I also hate when they call it glam. It's not glam. It's not glam. It's hair metal. There's a huge fucking difference. All the artists we were just talking about, from Sweet to Mark Bolin, and Slade. you know, just follow Slate, but even you know, stuff like Gary Glitter and all you know, guys, that was all organic. That all came together naturally, it wasn't put together in a fucking record company's boardroom where we're going to go and i'm not trying to pick on you know warrant or but hey you got this guy Janie lane we're going to pick up those four guys we're going to let him write the songs you're you're going to just be on the album do cover. this with you're, the hair get this yeah, with the clothes yeah, do these kind here. of moves yeah look man i mean no. not, not not granted listen we all know that that sean delaney was responsible for educating kiss to do a lot of that kiss you're going to all dye your hair. You're going to do these moves. You're going to dress this way. But that was that was the band organically developing that. That wasn't a record label saying, we'll sign you, but you are going to become this and do this and sound this. And this person is going to do the writing. I, I, I'm with you. I mean, I, I don't have as much hatred for hair metal 
but I am the I first person. It's not that I don't have the hatred for it. I just find it disingenuous. Well, here, and, what, and what I'd I was like gonna... to point out the bands that I think rose above. That's all. And I, I think someone like, uh, uh, you know, Faster Pussycat, certainly, yeah, you know, hair metal image, but break down that second record, especially, um, and even the whipped records. I mean, those are those would have been great Aerosmith records. Those are fucking incredible albums. And I love their debut too. As someone like Tom Kiefer, who once he had the image, he got rid of it as fast as he fucking could. He wanted to you just know, be a he, rock he and had the image because the label said, you got to look this yes. way. He's like, that's not who I am. Yes. Yeah. I mean, so I guess what I'm saying is I hated the fact that, and you could clearly see this. And I've said this before that, Oh, this band is a third generation poison. That band is a fifth generation warrant. That band is a seventh generation motley crew. Well, I just want the first generation. And you just know give what, me Mike, the first original generations Mike, that Mike, are Mike, going, you, organically were that way. Mike, and, and we did. They were called Guns and Roses. They they smashed that that image musically now keep in mind yes you're absolutely right they did dial them up they did but that stuff was gone fairly quickly you know what i mean well i time- i I, re- I remember when guns and roses first appeared i mean i had i had um their advanced cassette tape before the album was out i i, 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 I heard about too. them and and i never considered them a hair metal band. Now people like, shocked. oh, hey, they have they had hair teased out. I'm like, yeah, but that's but listen to me, that wasn't different. it. It was their attitude. It was what they were about. It was it was their sound. It was everything about them was completely anti. It was organic. What was, was going real. on everywhere else? They don't. They so, didn't write stuff like "Talk Dirty to Me," which is just a weak, cheap trick ripoff. Sorry, it is. Um, you know, that, that's what I, that's what I got out of, out of, uh, out of Guns and Roses at the time. They were, they were punky. It was a breath of fresh air. It was, I loved them. I, I, I was like you, Michael, I was on a trip to Chicago, um, with my dad on business and we didn't have at the time, we didn't have Z-Rock. And I remember I heard Paradise City and I don't know if it was a cab or a rental car song. And I'm like, the fuck is this and this would have been in 87 uh, yep. early early to may it was some well, it was sometime in the summer of 87 would have been and the I summer came, yeah and i came home to detroit like the next day and i went to the record store i'm like what the fuck is this and they're like oh we can order it and who is it again you know guns and roses well, okay and the next thing you know i you know i get it and i'm like Matter of fact, Liz likes Liz likes talking about it because when I met Liz was you know the end of eighty seven, early eighty eight, and I I was huge into guns, and she's like, "Who's that?" And I'm like, "Oh my god, these you know." Well, I I remember it would have been the summer of eighty seven. I had just graduated college, just finished two years of college radio, where I was the music director doing a metal show. And, you know, we've talked about this, grew up following, you know, Kerrang, especially, but every mm-hmm. once in a while, Hit Parade or a Circus might have a little blurb. Hey, there's a band in Hollywood to watch out for. And I would always put that on my list. 
two bands in 87 that I was like watching out for Guns N' Roses and Faster Pussycat. I kept going into record stores. When's their album coming up? Nobody fucking knew. Nobody had heard of these guys. When's the album? When's the album? When's the album? And, and, and it would have been around June of 87. I went to a, a radio convention in Minneapolis, the Conclave Radio Convention. And I remember going to the Geffen suite and the Geffen radio rep who I'd been dealing with for a couple of years was there. And I was like, hey, his, I think his name was Marvin. I'm like, Marvin, well, what's going on with Guns N' Roses? You know, when's the album coming out? Is, do you have anything from them? And he's like, oh, yeah, I think they're working on something. He, he turns around. He's like, here, here. This is the only tape we got of them. You can have this. This is an advance of their album before it comes out. I was like, whoa, Guns N' Roses. And I played it. I was just like, yeah, this is different. This was, it felt real. It felt honest. Because again, by 87, we were deep into the record labels just creating shit. You know, we'd already, you know, you'd already had Motley Crue, you'd already had, you know, all the other bands that were the first to the scene. I'm like, okay, you might have been a you might have been a cheap trick ripoff, or you might have been this ripoff, but you were the first to the scene to do it. But by the time there was the sixth to the scene to do it, it was like that shit. It's just lame. I mean, by the late 80s, it was just, it was already over. Guns N' Roses and Faster Pussycat to me were like, this feels new and refreshing. And there's something different about these two bands. And actually, at the same time, I was was watching L.A. Guns. Because those three bands, Guns N' Roses, L.A. Guns, Faster Pussycat, were kind of the anti-hair metal. They, they were coming out of Hollywood, but they were just, they had a different attitude about them. And I was like, this, this feels good. It feels refreshing. Miss and I never, I never got into LA guns. It's not that they, they suck or anything. I've seen them a bunch of times too, because they just are, always seem to be on a opening on, on a bill. I don't know why I probably, if, if <laughs> everything we just talked about, I should love them, but I just, Okay, I don't know why they just I didn't just didn't take. Uh, I I think between those three albums, I mean, I think and history will show this. The Guns and Roses album just was like magical. Mm-hmm. It was a magical album, and even when it came out, you got to remember Guns and Roses didn't immediately hit. No, not at all. They, they the, the label's ready was ready to just like now nah, this isn't happening. It took them a while before they fucking hit but there was something magical and 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 i've always said i i only like appetite for destruction to me it was a one and done band everything after appetite they became they became what i didn't like before them they became corporate they became a record label act they became grandiose it's like Hey, our next album, we're doing a two albums and we're having pian- grand pianos. And I'm like, fuck, that's not Guns N' Roses. I, I actually. Now, it's fine I if love, people love, love it, but it didn't, it, di- it didn't, it, it was like, 
I don't know when app when Appetite came out, I was like, wow, could these guys be the next Led Zeppelin? Could they, if they stayed this way? And then they in in my just my personal taste in music, they got too polished and too fancy and too big too quickly. Um, Appetite is a magical album that it was capturing lightning in a bottle, in my opinion. Which no no disrespect to the L.A. Guns debut or the Faster Pussycat debut. Those two albums just didn't have whatever that spark was that Appetite had. I will tell you, I'm going to go back a few years earlier. I had that same reaction to the first Fastway record. I thought, this is the shit. This is the the vocals and the, the guitar tone and Jerry Shirley's drumming. That first Fastway record just knocked me out. It knocked me out in the, in the way that now, I wasn't a fan when I was a kid, but when I started playing drums, I gravitated to it. And, you know, when I'm talking with my music geek buddies, I was talking about the first Montrose album is like my rock Bible. And, and you know, people are are surprised to hear that, you know, like, what about Kiss Alive? And I'm like, yeah, but Kiss Alive made me love Kiss and it made me want to play drums and get involved in being in a band and stuff. But the first Montrose album taught me how to do it. That yeah. that's where I grab. And even to this day, that I would say that's in my top three played of all times, you know, certainly kiss. I'd have to think what the other one um, might be, but you know, I, I play the first Montrose album a lot. Well, and met many musicians of today would yeah, say that, the exact same thing about that first Montrose. Yeah. That there's just something about that record that just it's the building blocks and how to play hard rock and michael that record very similar didn't do shit when it came out it didn't even go gold till years later and it didn't go platinum till the 90s it, it <laughs> and just, for a lot of people it didn't get attention until sammy hagar became a big solo artist yeah. and they were following sammy hagar's history yes. going what's this montrose band holy shit listen I to that you, i will tell you there's certain that's that's probably the number one um, among musicians, everyone always, I found when I was, especially when I was learning how to play and starting off playing in bands, it was like, it's like all the guys that were also in other bands and stuff that you respected, that was all part of that secret code. You're like, you know, like first mantra song, right? Oh yeah. I love every fucking song on it. And we just geek out about it. And we're like, well, you never, with the exception of maybe, you know, uh, uh, a bad motor scooter but they didn't play the whole record i mean here rock candy every now and then but maybe space station number five but those are maybe those weren't every time you turned on the radio like you know uh, rock and roll by led zeppelin or whatever you know but you know that was just a record that just bubbled under and you know i, I i've actually got a few of them and we won't go into those but um you know I, I remember in the early eighties too, and this is, I, I talked about this before on, on the show, but that they're called the angels in, in Australia, but that yeah. angel city record, like all my musician friends, just like all knew that. And it was like, I, I don't even remember how I got into it. Next thing I know, I'm like, this is, again, this is in the early eighties. It's like, there was always these records that just 
seemed to grab people who were really super into, you know, they didn't get a ton of airplay. They didn't go double platinum, but all the musicians. They're, 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 they're records that as a music fan, when you get to that point of being a fan and you start following a family tree of rock and roll, they all, those, those albums that we've been mentioning all end up somewhere closer to the base of the family tree. And you're going, holy crap, that album led to this, to that, to this. And, and I think that's, that's an, an important distinction. It, it wasn't about sales. It was about the album had some sort of magic that was able to capture and influence other young kids at that time to go, I want to do that. That I've never heard before. That is amazing. So, you know, it's sad that sometimes, you know, Appetite clearly isn't an album that didn't have problem with sales. I mean, but a lot of times those influential albums just never had the sales. They should have based on the amount of influence the album ended up having across the board. Well, don't you think to some degree Kiss's music and purely music had that word of mouth? Oh, yeah. Be- because I, 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 again, just something I say all the time on the show, if you don't like, if you like hard rock, but don't like Kisses because you didn't listen to them. Because they're, that's hard rock 101. If you like Zeppelin and Aerosmith and ACDC, you should love Kiss. At least you know the first six records. Jesus Christ, it's it's the it's exactly in your wheelhouse. Yep, yep. You know uh, what what's not to love? Everything about it is bombastic and fun, and you know, and kick ass, and 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 I love that kind of stuff. And that's what makes Kiss my favorite band overall. Yeah, I'm geeky about a lot of bands, but you know, it's Kiss, man. <laughs> So, yep. Hey, I mean, um, a, a, a lot. A lot of people may have discovered Kiss initially because of the visuals, but if they looked past it and started listening to the music, so many musicians will always go back and go, "Wow, that album, that song, that." I mean, you know, bands as as diverse as grunge bands, Nirvana. I mean, you know, they were influenced by Kiss, not a stage show influence. Not a glam influence, not a, um, uh, you know, wearing makeup influence, a song influence. At some point, like I said, at some point, they have to reckon with the fact that it's Kiss, and there's a reason that they've sold as many records as they have. And with all respect to our former guest Martin, I don't know how many records they've sold, but I know it's a lot, and I know it's very successful. Um, you know. So I don't know, you know, um, but I do know this, that that tour of Europe did extremely well. And I think, the t- you know, when they finish up here, it's going to be extremely well. And, um, you know, they're our favorite band. That's why you're watching the show. And that's why we bring all those bands we just talked about. Where does it all come back to the hottest? You know, at, at, at the end of the day. If you got problems with Ace or you got problems with Tommy or Gene or Paul or or whatever makeup or whatever's going on, all right, 
forget about that stuff. Go put on that record that you love and just listen to the music and remember how fucking great that music is. I mean, for me, I'll go back and put on rock and roll over any time and go, fuck yes. Listen to the music on rock and roll over. That's that makes all of the other pissing and moaning that might be going on. That might be an issue for you. It all disappears. Drop that needle on a track and listen to it and go, go back and remember what the music meant to you. Amen, man. That's what, uh, all right. You know, we we so, like to so, do all the time. So, so, so you've got some homework this week, homework. Number one topic ideas, homework. Number two, what if Jimmy Page joined Kiss? No, what 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 would what would your reaction be to that? What would the uh, the head explosion be? And and homework number three: Would Kiss exist without the New York Dolls? Would Kiss exist without the New York Dolls and Alice and or Alice Cooper? Would Kiss exist without New York Dolls and or Alice Cooper and or the glam bands of Europe. What would be, would they be a different band is I think what it comes down to. Would they yeah. look different? Would they sound different? Or do you think they just wouldn't have even existed? It's all, uh, it's all here for you guys to discuss. And, 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 and go listen, go listen to some of the classic albums. You know what I think I'm going to do, Mark, I'm going to build a Spotify playlist for everybody with some of these albums we just talked about here. And yeah. go listen to these albums and just appreciate the freaking amazing influence these bands have had. And you know what I'm hoping? I'm hoping there's some young fans because I feel, you know, you guys know we talk about them on the show. This is the latest Buck Cherry. Guys, it's so fucking good. I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, these get word of mouth because no one's playing this on the radio per se. You're not, you have to go out and do it for yourself. You have but to seek it out. There's, there's still so much great rock and roll and Buck Cherry, you know, it's their 10th album. They don't have to, you know, they can just tour on crazy bitch, but they don't, they care. You know, I was very fortunate. I saw Billy over the, you know, last weekend and, you know, got to support the bands man you got to support these bands and not just buck jerry because i'm a huge fan of theirs or ever but you know go see who's playing in your town um you know a better fact rock weekend, and roll support the music well you know what i was you know not not name dropping or whatever but you know we have, we've got two former guests who are i'm going to see them friday and saturday friday i'm going to see Derek st holmes uh he's playing locally and uh saturday i'm going to see uh, grand funk railroad um, you know, get to go see Bruce. You know, I tell you, I was texting with Bruce earlier today. You know, how fucking cool is that? You know, um, pretty happy that, you know, this is funny. I had lunch with my son today and I said, you know, how crazy is that? I'm like, here I'm, you know, in my late fifties and the Saturday I'm going to see, you know, Friday and Saturday, I'm going to see two guys that I've seen play at Kobo many times. That, that <laughs> grew up as an influence to you as a kid going, I'd love to meet them sometime. Yes, yes. I mean, it's just, it's really cool. So I'm really looking forward to seeing Bruce uh, play those magic. Uh, coming from my area, uh, if you don't know, it's in the Detroit area, Grand Funk Railroad is huge. You're from Flint, Michigan. And 
let me tell you, I got a daily dose of, uh, of that. And, you know, and it, it, feel free to look it up at one point in rock history. They were probably the biggest band in, oh, yeah. in rock. Um, you know, they lit up the charts. They lit up the concert attendance. They played didn't, fucking didn't, Shea Stadium. I was going to say they sold out Shea Stadium. Stadium. Yeah. So Grand Funk, you know, um, just and they were much like Kiss in that way. They were a people's band. That's what they called them. Their people, the critics hated them. They didn't give a fuck. They went out and sold more records. <laughs> you know, so that you know, and, and going to see Derek play all those great early Nugent songs, and you know, I'm just so excited. It's going to be a great rock and roll weekend. So, you know, again, guys, you know, I just don't say it. I do it. You know, get your butts off the couch, go out there and rock and roll, man, and uh, your life will be uh, be a much better for it. So, there you go. All right, everybody, that's it. We, we appreciate so much everybody who tunes in, listens, watches us. You know, we say it a lot, but we do mean it. It means a lot to us. Mm-hmm. It really does. We don't do this for any other reason. We're not, we're not getting rich off of this. It's because we love this and we love hanging out with other fans. At the end of the day, we are just KISS fans, music fans, metal fans, like all of our listeners are. And it's cool that you give us a couple hours of your time every week. It means a lot. So thank and, you. And apparently some of you guys are just as big as Saturday morning TV fans. Uh, boy, that show went over really well. That went over so well. I mean, yes, you know, thank you again, Wesley, for, for joining us. And, and, you know, we had no idea if that was going to be a bomb show bomb in the terms of number of listeners bomb in the terms of comments hate mail but boy <laughs> it it resonated other than maybe two people everybody was like tommy oh my wrote god both of them. <laughs> yeah tommy wrote both of them everybody was like oh my god what a great flashback it, it reminded me of saturday morning that's exactly why we did that interview with wesley and, and a whole show on land of the lost because that's what we were as kids. And if we were that way, there's a good chance you guys out there listening and watching were the same way. Or for the younger fans, you get to see our, see things through our, you know, it's almost like a time machine in some ways. This is what we did. You know, we didn't have Power Rangers and there's nothing wrong with it. It's all cool. If you guys had Power Rangers and Beetleborgs, as my kid loved, more power to you, but this was what we had. We had land of this the is what we had on Saturday mornings. Yeah, it's yep. all good, man. All right, well, yes. uh, let's Th- thank night, you, Grace. everybody. That's it. We'll see everybody next week. Who knows what we're talking about? Do you have something to say? Leave a voicemail or send us a text message. Call 320 515 Voices for three sides of the coin. Provided by Larry Davis Voice.com and by jessicamarsvoice.com. That's Mars with a Z.